Well, amen and good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me today to Genesis chapter 8. We're going to be looking at this entire chapter together. Um, we are continuing our Genesis sermon series. If you're visiting with us this morning, our theme is In the Beginning God. And as we've done each one week, Faith Family, let's read together Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Over the past few weeks, we have looked at the pre-flood world. Last week, we looked at the flood itself. And now this morning, we're going to look at um, the waters beginning to recede and actually recede. Our message point is hope in a post-flood world. Folks, there is a hope in the midst of life's storms, isn't there? Notice our first point this morning. God remembered Noah. In verse 1 we read, But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever forgotten somebody? Raise your hand if you've ever forgotten somebody or if you've been forgotten by somebody. All of us probably would fall into that category. Several years ago, um, I was, after, after church, I was fellowshipping with people out in the foyer area and um, just kind of talking with them. And after most people left, I noticed Chief Lawson, Sue Lawson, if you don't know Sue, Sue was the one playing the piano. She's not in the room right now, um, but um, he was still out there. And so I went over and I started talking to him. I look outside and usually Chief and Sue would drive two different vehicles up to church and his van wasn't out there, and so I'm like, hey, chief, where's Sue? And he goes, I don't know. I guess she left me. And so um, I, sometimes I have an um, a interesting sense of humor, and so I told chief, chief didn't have his cell phone, I said, let me call Sue up for you and, and, and check on her, see what's going on. So I get on the phone, I call Sue up, and I'm like, hey, Sue, where is your husband right now? And she lets out this squilch. Oh, my goodness, I left him at church. And what she had done is, I think it was like a, a, a holiday of, of some sorts, and so she had had stuff cooking in the oven. She ran home to take it out, and, and she remembered her food, but she did not remember her husband. So here's the deal. I think we've all left somebody behind, or we have been left behind. I just read in verse 1, but God remembered Noah. Please know this statement does not mean that God forgot about Noah, because God did not. Throughout the Word of God, we see time and time again where God remembers His people. What that means is God made a promise, and God keeps His promise. In Genesis 19, God remembered Abraham and spared Lot. In Genesis 30, God remembered Rachel and opened her womb. In Exodus 2, when the Israelites were being held captive by Pharaoh, God remembered His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we know that He would deliver the Israelites from Pharaoh's captivity. In Jeremiah, chapter 31, God remembered the nation of Israel. While they were living as slaves in Babylon, he promised that he would turn their mourning into joy. In Luke chapter 1, Mary thanks God for his remembrance to have mercy on the nation of Israel as well as the promised Messiah. Now, God is keeping his promise here with Noah by protecting him and delivering he and his family from the storm. Here's some real good news for all of us this morning. God will not and has not ever forgotten about us. 
We know that the Lord spoke to Noah leading up to him getting onto that boat time and time again, but we're never told that he would talk to Noah while he was on that ark itself. What do you think those days were like for Noah? Man, they spent about a year on the ark, actually over a year on the ark. What do you think those days were like? Do you think Noah and his family were ever scared? Man, do you think Noah um, spent some time praying to the Lord that the Lord would protect them in the midst of the storm that they found themselves in? Do you think they ever asked the question, where is God in the midst of this storm? I bet all of those things were things they did, ways that they prayed, and, and questions that they asked. Let me ask you this. Do you ever feel like God is not present in your life, especially as you go through the storms of life? And I want you to know that he is. There is a promise and promise after promise in Scripture where he is present in the midst of life storms. In Hebrews chapter 13, in verse 5 and 6, we read, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Just as God remembered Noah in the midst of his storm, he will remember every single one of us in the midst of our storms as well. Isn't that good news? That's great news. Notice next, we see here that God begins to remove the water. So we see here, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the seventh day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. The 10th month on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So within this verse, we see that the Lord began to send a wind to dry out the land. Man, do you believe that God is in control of nature? Absolutely he is. He's the one that made those floodwaters come, and he's the one that made those waters recede. You remember when the disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee, and they experienced one of probably the biggest storms that they had ever experienced while they were out on their sea? Man, do you think they were scared? Absolutely they were scared. Do you think that they um, thought that they were going to die? Probably, man, I bet you, man, water was coming into that boat. They probably had some clay pots on the boat with them. And, man, they're trying to get all that water out of the boat. And as they're trying to get the water out, that water keeps coming in. Where was Jesus in the midst of this storm? Remember, he was asleep on the boat, wasn't he? We read here in Luke chapter 8, Then they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased and there was calm. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this, that he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him? Not only is Jesus present in the midst of our storms, he has the ability to calm the storms that we are going through. Now, let me be clear. The calming of the storm is not what we are promised, is it? 
What we are promised is God's presence in the midst of those storms. We know that many God-fearing, Jesus-loving believers have perished in the midst of storms. There have been literal storms that they have perished through, as well as physical storms. They have perished at the hands of those that have created storms. Even in the midst of those storms, God was present. His way of delivering them may not have been the way that we wanted them to be delivered. His way of delivering them may have been to usher them into eternal life. Next, we see that he made the land appear. The earth had been covered with water for months. And now the waters um, have begun to recede. You can see the tops of the mountains. God in his sovereignty is preparing the post-flood world for Noah and his family. Every day they are getting closer and closer to being able to exit out of the ark and to begin their lives anew. Our third point this morning is this. Noah demonstrated patience. In verses 6 through 12 we read, at the end of 40 days Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand. He took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So no one knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove. And she said, and she did not return to him anymore. You know, I love to cruise. I, don't, I know some of you in this room do as well. If I could do one vacation, it's probably be I would go on a cruise. It's not because of the food that are on those ships or because of the entertainment, but I love the different ports of call that you can go to. You can go to see a bunch of new places in a very short period of time. You can experience new cultures, new people, and God's beauty. I love to cruise, but the thing that I love most about, about cruising really is to be able to go into my room and close the door and walk out on the the deck and just enjoy the ocean breeze. Um, that I, I love to do that. You know what? Um, what Noah probably did not get while he was on that ark. He probably didn't get much alone time, did he? I mean, you think about um, Noah and his family. Man, he not only had to take Noah not only had to take care of his family, but he had to take care of hundreds of different animals as well. Think about the racket that was present on that ark. Man, the chimpanzees were grunting and screaming. The hyenas were laughing. The lions were roaring. The elephants were snorting. The dogs were barking. The birds were singing and chirping. It was not a quiet place, most likely. But what we find with Noah is we find a man who patiently waited upon the Lord. You know, I've told Danny time and time again that I do not have the gift of patience. Do you know what she does? Man, she reminds me that patience is not a gift, but it is a fruit of the Spirit. And as believers, every single one of us that has Jesus has patience within us. What we need to do is we need to develop that patience. Um, and, and, And that's what the Spirit of God can do. Noah was unlike any other man on the planet. 
In Genesis 6, 8, we read, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. In Genesis 6, 9, we're told, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Man, Noah was righteous. He was blameless. He walked with God, and he found favor in the eyes of God. He, he, he had to be a patient man. I mean, think about, uh, it took him almost, you know, probably 75 or so years to build that ark. And as he built that ark, man, the community would have, would have um, 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 riled at him, persecuted him, made fun of him, made him the laughingstock of the community. But in the midst of all of that, Noah would be found patient. We read in this passage that Noah sent out a raven. You know, there's no biblical reason for Noah sending out that raven. Okay, what we know about ravens is they're scavenger birds. So this bird would have probably gone from place to place. We're, say, we're told that it goes from to and fro, probably went from place to place, um, feasting off of anything that it could find left behind after those floods. Then we're told that Noah, uh, Noah was sent out a dove. Unlike the raven, doves don't eat um, carcasses and flesh. They eat worms and grain. They live off of the earth. The dove found nowhere to land. So what would it do? Time and time again, it would return to Noah until that final time it came back to Noah and it had that olive branch in its mouth. And then we're told seven days later, Noah would release that bird and that bird would, 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 would never return again. Here's the thing. Noah sent those birds out because he wanted to know when it would be safe to exit the ark. You and I need to be patient in the midst of our storms. But know this, it's okay as we wait upon the Lord to send out some fillers in case the Lord is speaking to us um, in, in, in a different way. Noah sent out those fillers, man, because he wanted to know, is God trying to speak to me through these birds to tell me that it's safe for us to exit the ark? We're not told exactly why those birds were sent out. But what we know is we know Noah did that. He patiently waited upon the, 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 the earth, and or the Lord. And we see here in our final point, or not our final point, but the next to final point, Noah finally would exit the ark. Notice verses 13 through 19. We read, in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark, and look, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. Then the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. After a year, after more than a year, Noah and his family finally would hear from the Lord and they would exit out of the earth, out of the ark. This would be the first time in over a year that Noah would hear the voice of the Lord. I bet that voice 
was music to his ears. What we can know about the post-flood world is it was a new world. Nothing would have looked the same. Man was gone. Besides the animals that Noah had on the ark with him, they were gone. All man-made structures were destroyed and covered in sediment. The land was different. The oceans were different. Where there was land before the flood, there might not be land there anymore. It may have been in a different place. Um, where there wasn't land, land may appear. We don't know exactly what the post-flood world looked like, but what we know is this. It was a clean world. Again, Noah and his family had a blank slate before them. They had an opportunity to do what their forefathers did not, live lives for God instead of independent of God. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. At the moment of our salvation, we became a new people, didn't we? We are no longer defined by our past mistakes, but are defined by who we are in Christ. Noah and his kids were no longer living in a godless world, but they were living in a world that had been wiped clean by God's judgment. The future is what they wanted it to be. And we see in closing this morning that Noah remembered God. In verses 20 through 22, we read, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains seed time, And harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So this chapter begins with the declaration that God remembered Noah. But you see how it ends. Noah remembers God. One of the reasons the earth was destroyed can be attributed to man forgetting about God. The first thing we are told Noah does when he exits that ark is... Noah built an altar, didn't he? He would worship the Lord right there on the mountain of Ararat. Think about the significance of this. Some people say, well, Noah didn't have anything else to do but to worship. No, Noah had a lot to do, didn't he? Noah had to rebuild his life. He had to rebuild civilization. He had to repopulate the earth. There was a lot to do. But in his busyness, Noah made the worship of the Lord a priority for his family and himself. Noah owed everything to the Lord. And his way of thanking the Lord was worshiping him. All of us get busy. All of us have a million things to do. Please do not neglect your worship. If you neglect your worship, you suffer and your family suffers. Noah built an altar, and notice what God did. God made a vow. Verses 21 through 22, again, we read, and when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. 
While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. As a result of Noah's worship, the Lord demonstrated his pleasure for Noah's sacrifice by making a vow that he would never destroy the earth again with a flood. And we're going to look at that a little bit next week. But God knows the heart of man. He has not changed because of the flood. In fact, he makes a declaration that the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. This is the same declaration that the Lord made in Genesis chapter 6 before the flood. God knows our heart. He knows that, that our intentions are to do evil. But does God wipe us out? No. God makes a promise that he will never again destroy the entire earth with the flood again. The difference going forward after the flood is God promises that he will never strike down every living creature again. You and I can learn much from this passage. First is this, God will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. We're told time and time again, again, that God remembers his people. He remembers his covenants that he established with humanity. Also, it is essential that we remember God. That we take his promise to heart and we remember him and live for him. Ray Pritchard shared this challenge. He said, in your youth, remember God. In your high school days, remember God. In your college days, remember God. In your marriage, remember God. In your singleness, remember God. In your victories and in your defeats, remember God. In your joys and in your sorrows, remember God. In your sickness and in your health, remember God. In your old age, remember God. In your dying moments, remember God. Remember God, my friends. God has never ceased to remember you. Please do not cease to remember him. Do you know Jesus this morning? If you were to die today, do you know for certain where you would spend eternity? If you're here this morning and you do not have an eternal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you this morning to come and to repent of your sins and to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says if you do that, you will be saved. So if you're here this morning, as we enter into this time of invitation, I'm going to be standing here at the front. If you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to come this morning. You may be here this morning, and man, you have gotten so caught up in the busyness of life that sometimes the only time that you remember God is when you gather together to worship Him on Sunday. And if that is you, then I understand, I get it. Sometimes I get busy as well. But don't get so busy that you fail to remember the importance of spending time with the Lord. Man, this is something that we need to do daily. If you miss a day, that's okay. Start again the next day. God remembers you. Don't forget him. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together to worship you. Father, thank you for the story of Noah. Father, as we looked at last week, I know that this is a difficult story. 
Father, I know that this is one of those stories that is hard to wrap our mind around. There was so much destruction to humanity that the world experienced. Father, that was judgment that came because of man's sin. You made it abundantly clear that judgment would come, and judgment did come. And there wasn't a single person that heeded your warning besides Noah and his family. Father, we thank you for grace, for the grace that, that, that you provided to Noah and his family that was found in the ark. And we thank you for grace that all of us can find in the person of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this morning, if there is someone in this room that is yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior, they have yet to repent of their sins and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. Father, move now during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.